Hi everyone, my name is Constantine and I'm one of the counselors here at George Brown College. Today I'll be co-hosting with Lovelet, who's also a counselor. Hi Lovelet. Hey Constantine. How are you doing? I'm good. How about you? I'm good. I'm so excited to have um, our guests today. Um, they are from the Accessible Learning Services and um, they're going to tell us about what Accessible Learning Services does and how we work with them. What do you yeah, think? I am super excited that we're having this podcast talk more about ALS and how students can access them and the different supports they provide. And today we have with us Vicky, Don, Yerlini, and Joanna. Welcome everybody. Hi guys, how are you doing? Uh, hi everyone. Hi everyone. All right. Um, thank you for joining us today and making time for this podcast. Um, I just wanted to begin, first of all, um, maybe we can go around and I wanted to know what each of you do um, in the access accessible learning services. So I'd like to begin with Don, if that's okay. Hi Don. Hi, how's it going? It's going good. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about what you do at Accessible Learning Services, Don. Okay, um, well what uh, Accessible Learning Services does in general is we arrange academic help for George Brown students with disabilities who register with our service. And my role specifically is to talk with uh, people who are inquiring about accessible learning services um, and those who would like to register with our service because they have a disability and they um, are seeking academic accommodations while they're taking their program at George Brown. These all seem like big words and maybe later on we can discuss what accessibility means and what disability means. But thank you. Uh, in short, what does Don do, actually? Don registers students with accessible learning services. So what that means is when someone wants to receive accommodations for their disability, we are required to ask them uh, for medical information so we know what kind of accommodations would be best for them. So my role is to uh, you know, speak with a student um, and, uh, you know, let them know uh, what kind of documentation we are uh, expecting from them and then guide them through the process of registering. And then once we have them registered with Accessible Learning Services, then uh, the next step is for them to be connected with an accessibility consultant um, to get their accommodations. Ah, that makes more sense, which brings us to Yarlini, who is one of our accessible learning consultants. Hi, Yarlini. Hi, Constantine. Thank you so much for having me here today. Thank you for making time. So as Don had said, um, after intake, um, then they get matched, I guess, with an accessible learning learning consultant. Is that right? Yes. So based on the program that the student is in, um, they will either 
work with myself or one of my colleagues as we're all assigned to a specific academic department. And what exactly does an accessible learning consultant do? So my role involves meeting with students and prior to meeting with the student actually reviewing documentation to get a better understanding of accommodation needs and then with the student creating an accommodation plan for the student that best addresses their functional impact. I realize now that I'm using air quotes um, for you listeners, which is just <laughs> another way. <laughs> um, and functional impact is just another way of saying how does one's disability or unique learning needs affect their ability to engage in academics, whether that's in a classroom setting, virtually or in person, in a test setting or in a field placement setting. So I'm the bridge between students and faculty where I share the accommodation with instructors and I support the students with facilities facilitating their plan and where needed I will help with communi communicating any questions or concerns about their plan. That's great. I wish I wish I knew um, when I was in school, I don't know Blavlet if you want to chime in, but I wish I knew about accessible learning services when I was in, in way back in the day when I was doing my undergrad. <laughs> but it is such an important role like it is so important just for students to know about the different supports um, available and I think probably Constantine you can agree with this but we see so many times in the counseling office where students unfortunately don't know about the different supports and once they know about it they're just so happy to know about the different supports that are available to them and to help with accommodations or different needs that they have. It's true it's true and um Thank you, Yarlini, for telling us about what you do. And I know we have two other guests here um, and, and they have um, contributions to how a student is able to um, adapt to the various challenges. And um, we have next is Joanna and she's a, a learning strategist. Hi, Joanna. Hi, Constantine. And thank you for having me here as well. Um, did you want me to talk about my role? Yeah, t tell us a little bit about um, what a learning strategist does. How does your role fit into this? Yes, um, well, I've, in my role, I wear two hats. On the one hand, I help students get connected to psychoeducational assessments. If a student feels like they have a learning disability or if they have had a learning disability diagnosed way long ago um, before when they were children. Um, I helped them get an updated psychoeducational assessment. Um, on the other hand, I work with students to help them become more effective learners. So I help them with things like time management, creating calendars, um, talking about study strategies, taking notes, reading and writing strategies exam prep and anything else you can think of that has to do with studying that's my role in a nutshell again um, in order to access you uh, a student has to be registered with accessible learning services is that correct that's correct and usually the fastest way to get in touch with me is to get a referral from the accessibility consultant so Yarlini's role um, students would go through Dawn and get connected with their accessibility consultant who then would refer the student to me so that would probably be the fastest way well you guys are like a relay team they yeah, like it's a team <laughs> <laughs> later, later on, um, I know uh, 
where Lovelet is going to talk about um, ways how our department, the Counseling and Wellbeing Services, uh, work with accessible learning services to ensure student success. And, and finally, and thank you, Joanna, for explaining your role. Um, we also have Vicky here, and um, she's the Adaptive Technology Specialist. Did I say it correctly, Vicky? Yes, I'm the Adaptive Technologist. And not specialist. <laughs> well, I am pretty special. So. <laughs> yes, you are. You have all the tech gear. <laughs> um, That's yeah. right. If you can uh, let us know how how you um, fit in in the scheme of things here with accessible learning services. Definitely. So similar to Joanna, once you meet with um, Don and then your consultant. I could also be referred to you by your accessibility consultants. So my job is a bit more fun. <laughs> we get to use, as you mentioned, some technology. And the technology could be tools to support with, you know, reading, writing, time management, note taking. And sometimes if students, you know, work with Joanna, the learning strategist, we might incorporate some of those strategies with the technology and use that together so that it's more effective for students. Um, another thing I do as well is we look at, you know, sometimes it's trialing also different types of technology to suit um, students' needs and to better support them. Um, sometimes if students require electronic textbooks, because sometimes they need to listen to the textbooks to better comprehend what their reading materials are, mm -hmm. then I could also support them with making you know alternative material or material that supports their needs whether it be you know e-texts or braille and so forth and do they have to go through a full assessment by you to 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 make sure that this is the technology that they need for their um for their challenges yeah, so they would come to me and we would talk about um, some of their challenges, but at the same time, um, sometimes the consultants would have gone through this process, so they also refer students to me, um, sometimes being very specific of, hey, um, students might need support with note taking or read and write, and then we would go from there. That's amazing. And again, and this seems to be a theme of mine. I wish I had this when I was in school. <laughs> Lovelet, did you have anything um, to ask uh, our panelists? Yeah, I'm just, I mean, thanks everyone for sharing. It's so great to hear more about your roles and just that students can hear about more about the different supports available to them. And just kind of falling in line with the students, I'm just wondering what is one thing you wish students knew about accessible learning services. As Constantine shared, he wished while he was in school that he knew more about these types of services. I know I see often students just don't know about the services. So what is one thing you wish students knew about accessible learning services? If it's okay, we'll start with you again, Don, if that's okay. No problem. Um, I think one of the things that, that comes up a lot of times when, Students are, um, you know, looking for our service. 
as you said, sometimes students do not know that we exist. Um, we need to do whatever we can to get the word out there. Um, and part of that is to make sure that we liaise as much as possible with high schools because a lot of students are coming out of high school and then they're coming into college and they don't really know the process of how to bridge from high school to college. They don't know that they need to register with accessible learning services. Um, college is a vastly different thing from high school. In high school, they've, if they have a, an accommodation in high school or an elementary school or middle school, sometimes they've had this accommodation since they were like in grade one or grade three or something like that. They may not even be aware that they are being accommodated. It's just their life in school. They may have a resource room. They may have extra time to write a test, things like that. They don't see that as disability related or as an accommodation. So mm -hmm. when they come into college and they find out that first of all, they need to register because we, you know, we help students with disabilities, even that conversation is difficult for them to understand right off the bat. So we need to make sure that, you know, we are accessible in many more ways than just the word itself, that we are easy to reach, that we speak in ways that everyone can understand. And it's a real challenge because we use a lot of jargon in, 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 in college, you know, and I said the word accommodations. Well, someone might say, well, an accommodation, isn't that a hotel? You know, it's like, <laughs> right? you know, when we're talking about academic accommodations, we're right. basically saying, yeah. you know, this is a way of helping you. It's like a form of assistance, like yeah. extra time in a, in a test is considered an academic or test accommodation, yeah. right? So I just wish it was easier for, for us to get the word out there. Sure. No, that's great. And that's a great thing just to point out. It'd be helpful for students from the like day one to know about it and to get connected to that service for sure. Thanks, Don. Welcome. And how about for yourself, Vicki? What would be one thing you'd wish students knew about accessibility learning services? Well, I would really want them to know, obviously, that the technology that we have, sometimes, um, you know, it, I find that for students especially, they're working really hard, they spend hours, you know, every night studying, but with, you know, registering with Accessible Learning Services and getting access to different technology to support them, they could definitely study or learn more effectively and save a lot of time that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great, thank you, Vicki. And how about for yourself, Yarlini? What would you add to the conversation? I think that I want students to know that a number of students in the college use our service. Yeah. I know sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's an issue of not knowing that we exist or figuring out what the registration process looks like, acquiring that documentation. But other times it's the stigma that's associated with needing support with academics. 
Um, and that's where I would want to mention that having unique needs, whether it's due to a learning disability, mental health challenges, diabetes, we have such a diverse student body that we support. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And traditional ways of teaching, unfortunately, don't sort of include the needs of all students. So as a student, you benefit from accessing this support. And I actually make a point of saying this at program orientations when I speak is, a lot of students, we support a lot of students, so it's nothing to be ashamed of. If, if there's a need, if you feel like there might be a need, reach out, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about how to level the playing field and big fan of this expression. Yeah, I think that's such a great point, Yerlini, that so many students, they do have that concern. And it's great just to normalize the experience of accessing that support and that there are so many other students who are already a part of it. And it really is leveling the playing field. I like how you say that. It's so true that really helps. Uh, those supports really help to do that. I love that too, leveling, leveling the play field. Thank you. And Joanna, how about for yourself? What's something that you wish students knew about in, with accessible learning services? There's really little I can add to all the wonderful things that my colleagues have just said. Um, yeah, kudos to you, Yarlini. That was really amazing. I think you really um, captured it very well. I think if I were to tell students, or if, if one thing that I wish that students knew mm -hmm. um, was the differences between our roles and that it's a little confusing for students at the beginning who come and they see that they have an accessibility consultant, an assistive technologist, and they have a learning strategist and, and Dawn is available. We work as a team, but our roles are a little bit different. So I always um, have to kind of remind students that if it's a faculty related question that has to do with accommodations, maybe not being met or wanting to update an accommodation plan, it's always best to go back to your accessibility consultant and have that conversation with them. Um, and I'm always also referring students to to Vicky actually for help with certain things that um, that maybe I I don't have the expertise in, but I know that the student would likely benefit from. Um, I think knowing that we work as a team, but kind of knowing that our roles are are different is helpful for students as well. That's a really great point. That I can see how students might. It takes some time to get used to all the different roles, but that you guys are working collectively together and for them to kind of have that knowledge ahead of time or just that awareness could be really helpful. And then that's why we brought them here today, eh, Levelet? Because yeah. um, sometimes um, when we refer students to, um, I'm now going to use the acronym ALS because it's a mouthful, Accessible Learning Services. <laughs> um, so ALS, so when we refer students to ALS, um, sometimes I think about, you know, the learning strategist and how they can help um, maximize their time management. Um, and then I, I think about um, referring to Dawn because it's like, I can't explain everything. Rather than sending you to the website, maybe you can book an appointment with Don and, and he will be explaining everything to you including your parents for example and then right and then as far as explaining the nuances of 
um, the meaning of accommodation or disability, you know, Yarlini and the other consultants will be able to explain the nuances um, about what that means now, um, because um, the accessible, what's, the, what's AODA, the Accessible Ontario Disability, um, but anyway, the Act, act that ensures <laughs> that, that everything in Ontario is accessible. Um, so they change, the, the policies change all the time. So, um, and the, the, the terminology changes all the time. So it's, it's helpful for us, A-Lovelet, that uh, we have these professionals here that can actually guide us when sometimes we feel a student may need um, uh, accommodations, but maybe they don't. What do you think? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Like, I know we work quite closely with accessibility learning services and the way that we'll meet with students in our office um, and they might uh, share about the different disabilities they have um, and then we let them know about accessibility learning services. So that's a way that we collaborate um, and work together with one another. But um, yeah, it's been, it's that we definitely collaborate quite a bit together and I think constantly you have some more questions to ask Yeah. Yeah, I, thank you, Lovelet. Um, so, as I said earlier, sometimes we have students that we may think um, would need accommodation, right? And um, just because you have a, a disability, uh, and maybe the, the whole panel can chime in, but just because you have a disability doesn't mean you have to register with ALS. And, and um, on that same note, if you think you have um, a challenge, whether it's a mental health uh, disability or a physical disability, then it would be maybe wise to register with ALS. Is that is that right? I would say that you know there's there's certain things that we can help with immediately. If if a student thinks they have maybe ADHD or a learning disability. I would say, you know, come to us immediately. We're going to, you know, we're going to talk about this. We're going to figure out ways of and options of having testing done for that. If a student has a, a mental health disability, um, I would you know, recommend that they meet with their family doctor initially. Um, Yarlini, would you agree to that? Yeah, I, I totally agree, Don. And I also would like to point out that we do provide um, what we call interim accommodations mm -hmm. for, yeah, for students who are still sort of navigating what this disability looks like for them. So these are students who maybe suspect they have a disability, are in the process of exploring the nature of this. Um, maybe they're also in the process of acquiring documentation. They don't have anything right now, or it could be that they're experiencing a medical episode, maybe mental health in nature or physical in nature for the first time, and they're they're not quite sure how this will impact them moving forward and whether this has something, whether this is something that has the potential to reoccur. So in this case, the consultant, the student would work together to address the student's current needs and temporary accommodations will be put into place until more information and documentation can be provided. I think another thing um, further to what Yarlini just mentioned is that some students at college, they think they have a disability or they are not sure that what they feel is actually a disability and and maybe they 
are not aware of how to approach asking about it. You know, um, someone might say, um, if you know, if I'm depressed or if I have you know real anxiety, well, that's just a normal thing that people live with. Well, as as you know, as a diagnosis, someone could be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder or a depressive disorder. Those are considered disabilities, and and they are equally important with every other disability out there. Sometimes students just need to have a conversation with someone in confidence, where they can ask questions about the way they're feeling, and to know that yes, it is a disability, and that's okay because we can help you out. That's a great point, Don, and and that's the conversation that we in counseling and well-being services, when we have students with mental health challenges, um, that's the kind of conversation we have, and and we address the the stigma behind it, right, Lovelet? Like, it's it's they feel like because it's an invisible um, disability, a mental health challenge, they feel that the the messaging that they're getting from the public or their family is that you can suck it up and, and it, you can get over it. So what we do in, in counseling is try to, you know, get them to a point where they feel comfortable, um, you know, approaching ALS perhaps. Um, and Lovelet, what do you think? Like it's, it, I, sometimes yeah. I, I get students to feel comfortable um, mm-hmm. with their with their mental health challenge and then I encourage them to to seek accommodations. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's really having that, uh, that conversation with them to let them know this support is available to them. And it, there, sometimes it does take some time for them to feel comfortable to reach out to that support. But I always like to let students know that it's better to reach out, to get connected. And if you need to use the support, that's wonderful, it's there. But if you don't need to use support, that's okay as well too. But it's better to be connected to that support and to have it. Uh, and then you can connect with them as you need to. Um, so I find with students that helps as well too, that sometimes they're not too sure, but I'm just like, just start the process. And if you need that support, it's there for you. Exactly. guys, I just wanted to uh, make mention of something that I thought of with respect to uh, our sequence or sort of our, our process here, um, moving from Dawn to consultant and then to Joanna or Victor, mm-hmm. another ATRLS. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, I, I, sometimes our process is not so linear and I just, I wanted to make sure that that was something that was captured in our conversation today. Um, in that sometimes a student may meet with Vicky or Joanna or another AT or LS and something comes up in their meeting about an accommodation need that maybe didn't come to light in either my meeting or another consultant's meeting, the student. So the AT or LS may reach out to the consultant and say, hey, looks like this student could benefit from this technology or this strategy, which is reflected as a specific accommodation, um, which can then be added to the accommodation plan. So we sort of loop back from what would have been a a linear process. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to include that so that students are aware that after meeting with a consultant, uh, it's and say they didn't, there wasn't a specific accommodation that's on their plan that they feel like would have been um, supportive for them. And then meeting with Vicky, they discussed that accommodation. It's not as if the accommodation plan is ever set in stone, actually. So there are definitely conversations that happen 
um, within the team about how best to support a student. I think that's an important thing to say, Yarlini, because again, um, in just referencing how the counseling um, services and ALS work, it's it's also not linear, right? It, it just mm-hmm. exactly. it depends on what door you come through. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's what I think that's one of the myths that um, you know the general GBC community may not um, understand is that the process. Maybe they think it's um, you know daunting that, um, mm-hmm. and maybe that's why they don't access us res readily. What do you guys think? You know, well, it is daunting. Uh, it is true. Um, you know, sometimes when 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 someone hears the word, you have to register the words. You have to register. Uh, that in itself might seem like a daunting phrase to some people, and so. Um, we need to use terminology and, and the way we speak with students to let them know that we can help out and here's how to do it and it's pretty easy. You know, and I I think that maybe one of the things that um, we can talk about is the type of documentation we're looking for when we have a moment. Yeah, sure, that's great, Don. Um, Lovelet, did you, did you have any um, questions that popped up for you um, as we were going around? Yeah, I was thinking I definitely for Dawn to chat more about documentations would be great. And just before we get there, I had a quick question because we're talking a lot about the supports available for students and the different roles. But I think it'd be great to spend a couple of moments for people to know more about how they can get connected to accessible learning services. So let whoever wants to chime in uh, and just talk about actually, would it be okay we start with you, Vicky, if you can just share with students like how can they get connected? Accessibility Learning Services. So connecting to um, Accessible Learning Services, there's many ways. Um, I do believe we have um, a web page through the George Brown College website. Um, We also have um, students who I believe they can email letstalk at georgebrown.ca and that's sort of our front desk. And from there, they will connect you with Dawn. I'm not sure what else. No, that's great. Thank you. No, that's great. I think so students know they can go to the website. There's more information there. And I think you guys have some different videos uploaded as well, too, on your website. I think. Am I right? Or We have some videos. They are, awesome. are a little bit hid now, but um, they, they would still be able to connect the student to us. Okay, so you can go to the website, you can just email Let's Talk, and that's a great way just to start the bridge with Accessibility Learning Services. I always tell people um, if they're not sure what to do, or if it's a professor or some uh, someone from staff or support staff or faculty administration, if you don't know where to go, just send Dawn an email. Love that, Dawn. Thank and you. Just send me an email, and I'm sort of like, one of the first points of contact for our department and I can sort of um, you know pass the baton uh, to various people to provide support so it's just good to know that there's one person if you're not sure what to do just Mm -hmm. send on an email and he'll guide you awesome do you want to share your email address with the listeners they know where to send it okay so uh, my full name is Don Kazima the email is the letter D then K-E-Z-I-M-A at georgebrown.ca. 
Awesome. Thanks, Don. And you were going to also talk about documentation. Can you just share a little bit more about the documentation and that important role with yeah. um, registration as well, too? For sure. Um, this is uh, one of the big challenges for students, uh, especially during um, you know stressful times. Sometimes it's very hard to get documentation. You know, basically what we're asking for is a report or a letter from a, a regulated healthcare provider. Uh, it's not just a family doctor, there's a lot of experts out there who are qualified to provide documentation. Uh, you know, the documentation is going to speak to the disability. Um, you know, what it is, how it affects the, affects the student, things like that. Uh, it doesn't have to be overly complicated as a first step. So if a, if a doctor wrote a letter and said, you know, my, my client has uh, this type of disability, um, you know, this is a great start. Um, there are uh, medical forms that we can get a student to fill out. Um, on our webpage, you can find a medical a verification report that if you don't know what to do, you can take this report to your doctor and get it filled out uh, and then send it to, to me, uh, to Don, for starting your, your, uh, your registration process. Um, if you have a learning disability, um, we're looking from, for a report from a psychologist not always easy to get. Uh, many students have them uh, done when they were younger and they had, were using that report as part of the accommodations that they were receiving in high school. Um, I'm just gonna really briefly mention this term called an IEP. A lot of students coming from high school have IEPs. It's called an individual education plan. Um, the IEP is not a medical document per se, but it does provide some information for us so that we can start the process of getting a student registered. So, you know, if you're not sure what to do when you have an IEP, just get a hold of Don and he's going to provide guidance for you. Thank you so much, Don. That's so helpful for everyone to know and just the documentations that are needed and as well to how to get connected or just to send you an email. If they're not too sure, just shoot you an email. It could be easier <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> it's pretty complicated, it seems, doesn't it? <laughs> I have a question, um, if, if, if you don't mind, guys. Um, you know your videos, um, do they have closed captioning? Yeah, all the videos that we did in the past are all captioned. And um, are, do you work with the deaf and hard hearing uh, services or is that a separate thing from accommodation or accessible learning services? Uh, deaf and hard of hearing services is a greater part of accessible learning services in a sense. Um, they do sort of have um, a separate office, but we work with them and a lot of students uh, are connected between the two departments. So um, if a student who's deaf or uh, has hearing loss uh, is looking for accommodations, they may go to the deaf and hard of hearing services first. Um, but we are all linked together as, as one greater department to accessible learning services. See, that just popped up because, um, yeah, the, the depth of services at George Brown uh, um, continues to amaze me. And um, I was just, yeah, and I was just thinking about ways that this podcast is accessible and um, our episodes will have the transcripts available. Um, but I was just curious about the other formats, um, especially you know for for deaf and, and hard of hearing. 
so thank you for um, clarifying that and, and, and how you work with, with that department. Um, I think it's important to know that um, we're all kind of connected, aren't we? Yeah. yeah, we are. And I think the another really great thing about our services is that we are connected in different ways, but if someone comes to our service and we need to redirect them, I think all the services are really great about redirecting students to where they need to be to get the support that they need as well too. Exactly. Um, I was just wondering, Lovelet, like it, it feels like, um, you know, the ALS is, is like part of our family, the bigger family, and um, we know mm -hmm. them really well. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I'm, I'm wondering if, if we, I know we, we kind of went around and um, the one thing that um, the ALS department wanted um, the GPC community to know if they didn't know it already. Um, mm -hmm. Was there anything else that perhaps that stood out for the panel that perhaps it's important for you to to inform the GBC community about the services and about what you do? I can uh, venture one thing um, to stress is that our service is free and it is confidential. So, mm. yeah. oh, such a great point. Yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah, really important. When a student registers with uh, accessible learning services, all that information is private and confidential, and it cannot be shared anywhere with anybody without the approval from the student. So that's really important to remember that. That is a great point. Yeah. Thank you, Don. And also, share the confidentiality Don was talking about, like that. Yeah, everything stays within that office, that consultant that you're speaking to. Okay, so great conversation, and we're just sharing so much a wealth of knowledge with students, which I love. And the last mm -hmm. question, just to wrap up with everyone, if you can share what is one thing that you really enjoy about your job, or one thing that your favorite part of working with students would be. And I'll just open up, so whoever likes to jump in, just go for it. My favorite part of the LS role is that I work with students one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I come to this role from teaching, so I used to teach for several years before and I always felt like I didn't really understand the challenges that students were facing mm -hmm. because, because people don't, aren't really that forthcoming about the, the struggles they're facing in a classroom environment, which makes total yeah. sense. Yeah. But um, when I meet students one-on-one, -on -one, I feel like I can actually make a difference. Right. And, um, and I, I love seeing that one, one day something is not working, but then all it takes is just trying it a different way. And then all of a sudden um, it works much better and it's helpful. So that's what I love about my job. Oh, that's so great, Joanna. That's awesome. What about Vicky? Awesome. So like Joanna, um, my background's also in teaching. Um, but again, yes, I love working with students one on one and sometimes just celebrating the little victories that help them like getting through the little things one at a time. Because sometimes they're so overwhelmed when they come to me because yeah. they've seen you know like Dawn and then they've seen Yarlini or other consultants and then they come to me and they're like why am I seeing you again <laughs> 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 so just introducing them to my role and um, you know just showing them different tools so that they have a toolkit 
And even if, you know, at that point in time, they're a little bit overwhelmed, that they can always go back and sometimes, you know, try out some of these tools on their own time. Mm -hmm. um, and even students who, you know, sometimes are like, I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't want to use the technology. But then a week later, they might come back to you and be like, hey, I want to learn more about it. I tried it out. And sometimes it's great because this technology, like some of them, um, it's very intuitive. Right. So incorporating that into their learning and just seeing them grow is great. It's amazing. Thanks, Vicki. I think that would be so rewarding that you get to see students where they might be at one place and then you see that growth within them. Right. Yes, and this includes, sorry, Yarlini here, just jumping in to add mm -hmm. to Dawn's point, just to clarify in case students are wondering, that includes faculty. So that documentation and any resulting diagnosis or diagnoses is not shared with faculty. They'll see your accommodation letter as a list of accommodations and nothing beyond that. And to add to Yarlini, counseling and <laughs> ALS do not share information um, that's that's confidential. So mm -hmm, we, that's we don't have right. We don't have access yeah. to each other's notes and, and stuff like yes. that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So if you meet with a uh, consultant, have a conversation with them, and you're also meeting with a counselor, neither of those two parties would know what you discuss. It would just stay with that person that you're speaking with. And how about for yourself, Yarlini? What would be one thing? You know that you really enjoy about your job or working with the students? So this role has really opened my eyes to how diverse learning styles can be and how so often they do operate outside of sort of conventional or traditional teaching and even though I knew this in theory and personally before meeting so many students with these varied skill sets and talents and who have various platforms of demonstrating these skill sets and talents. It's just been a very interesting and fun experience for me. And the concept of, and the value of human diversity and the diversity in the human experience has also been so much, has been really highlighted to me in this role. So I found that to be very gratifying. And what's great is that this learning experience for me, it's a daily thing. There's no quota to this reporting feeling. So mm -hmm. that's what I like most about my role. Lovely. Thanks so much, Yarlini. Thank and, you. And last but not least, Don. Don. The one who can never stop talking. Well, you know what? Um, <laughs> I um, really, uh, I, I think the energy that students bring to us is just amazing. Um, the journey that they've gone through just to get to college sometimes is really something to behold and i personally believe that uh, it's an honor and a privilege to work with our students we are very fortunate to have our jobs and um, that's why we really want to work here and um, what can i say that's that's what it's all about uh, you know als and counseling we're like sister departments and we're here to help that's well put. I was going to say mm -hmm. we're cousins, but if we've elevated <laughs> sisters, that's... <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've let, always sorry, said... Sorry. sorry. <laughs> that was me, Yarlini. Yeah. I was just going to say that's that's a term I always use as well, Donna's sister departments. Counseling is our sister yeah. department. Yes. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> and one thing I think um, we should add or I that I'd like to add is to mm -hmm. say that 
overall we work so well together and there's a, t a whole team of people that really love to help and see students succeed so if like one person knows that they cannot maybe help then then they will very gladly help this help the student find the help somewhere else so that um, the student doesn't ever feel like they're falling through the cracks right yeah that's true that's true and and i think um i'm just gonna add um before we we kind of wrap up that the students do appreciate um how well we work as a team and that they know that they're supported um you know with their diverse challenges as, as Yerlini was saying that everybody um, you know learns differently um, um, you know approaches a situation or a challenge differently and ALS recognizes that and um, exploits their strengths right as, as we work from another angle um, Lovelet and I are from counseling and I think that's why we are sisters <laughs> sister departments it's mm -hmm. it's like we're we're all part of the family of helping and, and I think um, Joanna was saying that we love to help students succeed um, Lovelet mm -hmm. yeah no I think you summarize it so well like the way that we collaborate and that we work together and yeah it's been like just a joy for all of us to come together on this podcast and talk more about accessibility learning services, you know, what they do, how they get connected to them, the ways that counseling and um, accessibility learning services work together, you know, different ways that we wish students would know about accessibility learning services. And it's, it's been so nice. I'm glad that we had this opportunity just to come together and talk more about these important roles that we have and how we are supporting students at George Brown College. Yes, I couldn't say any more to add to that other than I'd like to thank Don, Joanna, Vicky, and Yarlini for taking time out of their busy schedules um, just to kind of just have a chat with uh, Lovelet and I. And um, I wanted to um, be selfish and, and just say I wanted um, the ALS department here um, so that we have them <laughs> on record mm -hmm. and that this episode will be accessible, um, air quotes Yarlini, will be accessible, um, you know, 24-7 as an mm -hmm. audio file. Um, on, on Anchor, but it's also going to be on the GBC uh, counseling website with the transcript. So, so that um, with the links, hopefully, to the um, the, the accessible learning um, services website. Mm -hmm. And say kudos to you because I know Constantine was so excited and really wanted. Um, this is our third podcast that we've do we've done for Let's Talk and Constantine was so excited about having accessible learning services and I totally agree. But I think it's so great how you brought us all together, Constantine, to talk about uh, accessible learning services and just another way for students to get connected to the support for them. So thank you, Constantine. Thank you, Thank you, Constantine. Thank you, guys. And I hope to uh, collaborate again, um, perhaps in, on another uh, topic, but for today's episode, episode three, it's welcome to ALS. Bye everyone. It's Lovelet speaking and thanks so much to our panelists for being here today. And from Constantine. Thank you and we'll see you at the next episode for Let's Talk. Take care everyone. 
So this concludes today's episode. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions, feedback on our episodes, suggestions for future topics, or wish to book an appointment with our counselors, please send us an email at letstalk at georgebrown.ca. Come by again, and let's talk.